Good afternoon, and welcome to this week's edition of Substances. We are continuing with our mini-series of breaking down stereotypes. We have decided to focus on two more countries in the Middle East, Egypt and Kuwait, to continue to bring awareness to a region that is very diverse, has a vibrant history, and is changing every day. Today on our show, we are interviewing Renim Rashid, a current graduate student in economics and cultural diplomacy, and who has a background in engineering. She has a unique background, having grown up in Kuwait, a small Gulf nation, and later returning to Egypt, a land of pyramids and a growing film industry with a political landscape that is currently being reconstructed. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Okay, hello and marhaban to our podcast. Um, can you begin by telling a little bit about your person, um, what you studied, where you were? Uh, all right. Um, my name is Ranim Rusid. I'm Egyptian, uh, raised in Kuwait. Uh, I have a bachelor degree in engineering, material science engineering, and I'm currently doing my master's in international economics, business, and cultural diplomacy. Um, so having grown up in both both countries, Kuwait and Egypt, that are both part of what is commonly referred to as the Middle East, how is your dual perspective added to your identity? And is there one nation you identify with more? Um, well, in the physical sense, I identify more with Kuwait since I moved, I think my parents moved to Kuwait when I was two, so in Kuwait the streets are familiar, the people are familiar, the lifestyle, I relate more to, to that, my childhood friends, school friends, and, and what's not. So in a physical sense, I relate more to Kuwait as a country. On a personal level though, I'm, I'm fully 100% Egyptian, identity-wise. Um, my first reaction whenever someone asks me, oh, where are you from? I say, Egypt, Kuwait raised. So Egypt comes out first because again, It is my identity. So your parents are from Egypt? My parents are Egyptian. I'm 100% okay. pharaoh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I guess coming into like the stereotype stuff, because that's what this mini-series is about, um, Kuwait and Egypt have very different stereotypes on a global level. Often you hear stereotypes of how Kuwait is largely only known for its oil riches and the people who profit from it. Or nowadays, Egypt is largely spoken only about when regarding or talking about the Arab Spring. Um, when addressed with these inquiries or accusations, what do you, how do you confront them? What's your answer? And what do you want people to know about Kuwait, about Egypt, on top of these stereotypes? All right. Let me start with the Kuwait-Egypt relationship, and then I'll address both separately. But when I moved from uh, Kuwait, when I moved back from Kuwait to Egypt, uh, I was 16, and you would think there wouldn't be a culture shock between two neighboring countries both referred to as the Middle East, both um, are officially Islamic states. And you, again, you wouldn't think there would be a culture shock yet. I, I had a major culture shock. Life in Kuwait is very, very different than Egypt. Life, uh, the lifestyle, the culture, how you deal with people, even the way you dress or you carry yourself, it, it's extremely different. So um, is it right to think that the entire Middle East area are similar? Hell no. Um, addressing stereotypes, I'll, I'll start with Kuwait since it was the earlier part of my life. Um, 
Yes, Kuwait is known for its oil and it's basically a small, rich Gulf country. But it's, yes, that is true, but it's not all what Kuwait is about. Kuwait, um, I take pride on the fact that I was raised in Kuwait. Kuwait is a very um, civilized country in the sense that you, you get to be different. It's okay to be different. You have women walking around in abayas, the long black dresses, and then you have girls walking around in, in summer dresses and in makeup, and and it's okay. It's it's acceptable. Um, Kuwait hosts uh, a, a huge percentage, a deep, very large percentage of foreigners, and thus the country has accepted differences. Um, very clean... Uh, I'm, I'm trying to portray the picture. I'm not, might not be very coherent, but the whole the um, Kuwait is, is is could be very easily similar to to a European city in the sense of of the cleanliness and how people deal with each other. And and it has one of Kuwait University is one of of the very decent Gulf universities uh, education wise. So it's not only oil and rich people. Yes. They have money, but they put that money to, to good use. So, so yeah, hats off. Uh, moving on to Egypt. <coughs> ah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so we have a saying that Egypt are several countries living together in one country because you know how you have three classes, the lower class, the middle class, and the upper class? Mm -hmm. In Egypt, those three classes are easily... Uh, turn in, they easily turn into ten classes where you have the middle upper class, the lower middle upper class, and and so people are very diverse. Um, people are very 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 different. Again, uh, several countries living within one. Uh, even how you dress could differ from the area you're going to or or the people you're going to interact with. And again, we're we're ninety million people, so and I think I'm not sure. I just don't want to be. Um, stating numbers, but we're Cairo hosts around, I think, 20 million of those 90 million. So it's it's a big city with a lot of, of diverse people. Um, yeah, it's a population of New York City. Yeah. People yeah. would never know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I remember, speaking of New York, I remember the very first time I traveled to the States. It was um, 2012. And I was I was attending. I went to New York and then Boston. I was attending the Harvard conference. And when someone asked me where I was from, and I said Egypt, and then they looked at me for a second. And they were like, "Huh, where is that?" Mm. Yes. And and coming from someone who studies at Harvard, you would think at least they know the the main. I mean, Egypt is might not be the most popular country out there, but it's a country out there. So um, it was it was a shock at the beginning. You, you always think that where you come from, you hold it so proudly, and it's something um, that holds a decent meaning to you, and then someone shocks you, we're like, where is that? And you, you start, I don't know, my answer was quite idiotic. I said, where the pyramids are? <laughs> and actually, ironically, he was like, oh, yeah, okay. I'm like, really? So you know the pyramids, but you don't know where the country, the name of the Especially country? Especially at the forefront of, like, that's when they're screaming, like, was he, uh, like ending, yeah. but it was still it had been in the political. Yeah, movement. I mean exactly, like, exactly. Even yeah. if it wasn't that popular exactly. before, we've been on the news for the past couple of months. So Absolutely. hey, read the book. Yeah. And also, <laughs> Egypt is so famous for its uh, 
film scene. Like, yeah. The whole Middle East yeah. benefits and yeah. also development. Uh, yeah, I was about it's to say. Big uh, industry. Yeah. Yeah. Which brings me to, to my next point that even if, well, you know Egypt, but you have this specific stereotype about, oh, I, can't, I can't tell you how many times I got, do you go to school on a camel? I mean, watch a movie, pick up a book. I, it's not, there is a difference between stereotype typing and there is a difference between ignorance and it's not a fine line. So, and Egypt, Egypt is referred to as the Hollywood of the East. We have a large film industry and uh, I don't, I, I, I speak English and Arabic, but I've seen my fair share of foreign movies out of interest, out of curiosity about different cultures. So I don't see how hard it is for someone to, to watch an Egyptian movie, even though they don't speak the language. Subtitles are there for a reason. But yeah, I've been rambling on, so you can. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, now moving on maybe to a more political sense of our conversation. Um, from personal experience, how do you think that the Arab Spring uh, benefited or changed Egypt for the better and uh, do you think although other problems arouse out of the conflict that collectively the people of Egypt have a better sense of empowerment as in they feel now that their voices are heard more than compared to before the Arab Spring? Alright, um, okay well a disclaimer before we get into the political uh, uh, topic anything I say about the current political scene in Egypt. I say it from a completely personal uh, point of view. I'm not someone who understands politics to the fullest. I'm not someone who, again, I wasn't raised in the country. So when uh, I was there when in, in January 2011, but I, I didn't have all the emotions and the feelings. Yes, I understood where they're coming from, but I didn't have this, I couldn't, um, What's the word? See, I, I try with, yeah, I couldn't relate fully. I could relate, yet not fully. Um, I, I think we've discussed that several times in class, and I think a country who's had the same president, the same regime, and was run the same manner for 30 years, to have all this changed overnight, technically, in the sense of 18 days, so overnight, um, and you expect that everything goes and flows smoothly from that point, it's kind of a naive, um, uh, a naive, I don't know, perspective. Yeah. Um, again, people have had yes, they they had had the best life, but it wasn't exactly the worst, and it was stable for thirty years. And then the youth goes to the streets, and and they're demanding very much what is their rights. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, did it change Egypt to the better? From from a personal point of view, I think the people needed that. The people needed to be heard. The people needed to, to let out a lot of rage and a lot of emotions and, and demand their rights. Uh, economically speaking, now Egypt is not doing so well. But again, after after thirty years of being stable, and I don't know, underline that word with like a million lines. Um, it's not expected. I mean, countries recover from from uh, revolutions through hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. So we're in 2017. So that's six years mm -hmm. later. No one expects the country to be doing great. 
I think we should be doing better, but I, I think we should just wait and see. So going off of that, taking it into consideration, like the stereotypes that you faced and the post-Arab Spring um, environment now in Egypt, if you had you know, a microphone or you were in charge of the media, what would you want to say to the world that didn't know what was like the current environment in Egypt? Um, all right. I, I, um, through my experience in 2011, I, I understood what it means for the media to be deceptive. I, I lived somewhere around the, um, the presidential palace, and I would open the news, and you would see uh, people uh, fighting and, 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 and open fire and what's not, and then I'd open my window, and people are walking their dogs and, and yes it's not it's not completely normal but it's not the war zone the media has been showing so <clears throat> I had a microphone I would tell people yeah open the news keep up to date with what's happening on a political scene but in parallel again watch a movie about uh, watch an Egyptian movie go visit I mean Egypt is not just Cairo Egypt we have one of the richest touristic scenes in the world we have the pyramids, we have the, the pharaohic history, we have Luxor and Aswan, we have both uh, the Mediterranean and the Red Sea. Egypt is extremely rich and I've, I've been around Europe and I've not been around my own country, but when I've visited Aswan, Aswan is by far the most, well from a non completely non-biased perspective, <laughs> by far the most beautiful place on earth. So yeah, there there are other angles to 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 Egypt um, that I would like to shed the light on, other than the political issues we're going through. Great, thank you. Yeah, and um, being a student of international relations and cultural diplomacy, where do you kind of see your career going or in the future? All Especially right. since you're an economic yeah, yeah. student. Yeah. Okay, so um, I want to still pursue my career in the engineering direction, yet um, the school I said in, but I'm a graduate of the German University in Cairo, and we were not offered a lot of business electives, and I think understanding business, understanding uh, economics has nothing to do with your actual major, it's just something, a tool of life that you need mm -hmm. to carry on, uh, especially if you want one day to, to be your own boss and have your own business, so this is, this is, um, this is the first part of why I'm doing this master's. And throughout my undergraduate studies, I was an avid member of Model UN. I was one of the one of one of five founding um, one of one uh, member. Yeah. Well, yeah, one of five founding members uh, of a debate club. It's it was a big part of my life. Um, so the cultural diplomacy aspect was very very intriguing. Uh, so, yeah, that's why here I am. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for being thank on our show. Thank you for awesome. having me. <laughs> thank you for listening to our show, Substances. We hope that today's show has inspired you to seek out Egyptian movies, to read about both Kuwait and Egypt, and as always, to continue to learn about the world. Through our interviews, we have gained new insights and perspectives and hope we have provided you with the same. If you have any requests or comments on stories you want to hear, please write us at dosageofrepartee at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening.